Chapter Eleven of the Ghost Girl by Henry Kitchell Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven An Escape. Those were the last intelligible words we got out of her. Richards pressed her with questions for a while, trying to get some details as to how the crime she confessed to had been committed, and where and why but wholly without result the woman was half hysterical but she had self-control enough left to keep her jaw locked and her lips tight together and the only answer she ever made was a desperate frantic wagging of her head which might have meant anything so at last we called a taxi in preference to a patrol wagon for richards and the policeman to take her to the station in while we were waiting for it he arranged to send a plain-clothes man up to the house to keep an eye on the husband the precaution seemed rather unnecessary both because he was too badly wounded to make any serious attempt to escape and because his wife's confession seemed to do away with the motive for it while we were waiting for the taxi to arrive richards explained his theory of the crime to us it was the typical police view but it seemed to me to hold water though i had a feeling that jeffrey didn't look at it like that evidently richards shared this impression for he tried hard to convince jeffrey that he was right about it it is all explained now isn't it he said this irene comes to the house settles down there and gets friend husband buffaloed she was a good enough looker to do it that's sure he gets loony about her and the two of them run off wife left behind she gets on the warpath follows them up finds them together somewhere and takes a shot at the home destroyer maybe she leaves her husband to get out of the fix as best he can maybe she helps him he can't denounce her so he comes back to her or with her i don't know which yet anyhow they've got to stand by each other when she sees irene's face in the mirror she goes off her head and tries to kill herself there you are he wheeled round on geoffrey whose face was still thoughtful and who had given no sign of assent what's the matter with that richards concluded doesn't that explain everything do you think it does asked geoffrey richards threw up his hands with a gesture of exasperation now look here he said i suppose you've got some dinky little silver-mounted theory that you're on the trail of and that you'll try to show up the police with again all right go ahead i've got a confession and i've got a motive and i've got a story that holds together and that's good enough for me if you think you can get anything better before this woman's case comes to trial it will never come to trial said geoffrey all right said richards you wait and see you go your way and i'll go mine i'll leave you alone and you leave me alone does that go geoffrey laughed and patted him on the back we were standing in the hall watching for the taxi and as geoffrey spoke its lights flashed round the corner two to one drew he said 
that the lieutenant pays us a call within a week richards was too indignant to make an articulate answer but it was a grunt that spoke volumes the policeman led the woman down the hall just then and the three of them went out together all the same said geoffrey as he closed the door behind them i wish there was a chance that the lieutenant was right about it but there isn't not a chance in the world after the lieutenant had gone he favoured me with another prophecy and a bit of advice you'd better forget all about this case for the next few days he said to me get back to your office and make up for lost time nothing's going to happen for a few days nothing at least that you need bother about but at the end of that time i suspect i shall be calling you in again and when i do i shall keep you pretty busy so dig down to a clean desk if you can before that time i took the hint and followed his advice as well as i could of course we had barton still in the house making as good progress toward recovery as a man could be expected to make from that sort of an injury but he was under the care of two men nurses and orders were that he was not to be allowed to talk anyway so it was comparatively easy for me to forget about him easier i suspect than it was for gwendolen equally of course i did think about it a good deal especially on the daily trips up and down town from and to my office trying to solve the puzzle trying to see what it was that geoffrey saw that made him so sure that richard's theory of the case was wrong so sure the case would collapse in the lieutenant's hands that he could calmly predict a further appeal for help from him within a week nothing but the direst necessity would bring richards to our doors again after what had passed between him and geoffrey and i honestly didn't believe he'd come as i counted off the days my feeling of scepticism mounted steadily it was just at the end of the sixth as i was preparing to leave my office and go home to a peaceful family dinner that the voice of my office-boy over the desk-phone announced that lieutenant richards had come and wished to see me i told them to send him in with the recurrence of the feeling i had often experienced before that there was something uncanny about geoffrey you could talk all you liked about lucky guesses and the balance of probability without wholly shaking off a feeling of almost superstitious dread when his prophecies came true like that perhaps this one hadn't come true though perhaps richards had come to gloat over us why had he come here though i wondered why didn't he go to geoffrey himself one look at his face disposed of that alternative before the big policeman had fairly shut the door behind him isn't he here yet he asked do you mean geoffrey why should he be here i've been trying to get hold of him for two days said richards this noon i got word by telephone an out-of-town call saying that he'd meet me here at five o'clock for two days i exclaimed i didn't know he had left town richards nodded sourly how about it i asked does geoffrey win his bet again 
is it for help on the fournier case that you want to see him this thing's past a joke said richards as he noticed the smile with which i asked the question it's all very well to keep things to yourself and let other people go chasing wild geese but when it's an important murder that sort of smart aleck business is dangerous i didn't point out to richards that he had deliberately refused jeffrey's help six days ago because i knew he remembered it as well as i did besides i was intensely curious and i wanted him in a good humour so i placated him as well as i could with kind words and a good cigar and his complaints subsided into a mere occasional rumbling of protest that geoffrey was keeping him waiting it isn't quite five o'clock yet i said but just as i spoke there came a single tap on the bell in the self-winding clock that sets itself every hour and geoffrey walked in he nodded at me and grinned at the lieutenant well he asked cheerfully how goes it damn bad said richards and you know it his grievance was wide awake again in a minute it seems to me he went on it's pretty dangerous business letting the police go off hunting a mare's nest and leaving the real murderer that much better chance to escape when you knew all the while the woman had an alibi had she an alibi said geoffrey that's lucky do you mean to say you didn't know it and what do you mean by saying it's lucky i do mean that i didn't know it said geoffrey and it's obviously lucky for nothing else would have convinced you that you were on the wrong tack was it a good alibi copper riveted said richards the woman never left town at all the barton woman irene fournier went away and barton went away but mrs barton never left her house all the while making it highly improbable commented geoffrey that she shot a lady who was fifty miles away at the time she had the lady's revolver though said richards the gun she shot her husband with a week ago a week ago tomorrow geoffrey reminded him but richards ignored the thrust well that was irene fournier's revolver by the way said geoffrey what is the calibre of that weapon it's a twenty-eight said richards why i don't know curiosity now look here said richards i'll say anything you want me to say admit anything you want me to admit but i want you to stop this nonsense and tell me what you know about this murder that's easy said geoffrey i don't know a blessed thing i hope to though within a day or two try again said richards you can't get away with that you just said you didn't know the barton woman had an alibi well then how can you be so dead sure she hadn't murdered irene fournier in the face of her own confession that she had unless you know the person who really had done it why i simply had a theory geoffrey began what i want is facts interrupted richards i've got a theory of my own what is it asked geoffrey i'm not going to tell it 
said the lieutenant until you come across with some of the facts that i am sure must be in your possession oh well said jeffrey then i'll tell you what your theory is irene still figures as the home destroyer she deliberately infatuated barton and ran away with him the two quarrelled barton found out something about her past perhaps grew jealous of some other lover and killed her then he came home to his wife confessed to her perhaps or perhaps not anyhow he painted out my portrait on the canvas irene had borrowed perhaps his wife guessed from that when the body was discovered he did paint out the portrait all right and that's no theory said richards i know the shop where he got his paints and brushes all right said jeffrey that strengthens the case well it preyed on the barton woman's mind until when she saw irene's face appear in the mirror she blew up made a scene got her husband into really serious danger and then made a confession to get him out of it that's about the size of it isn't it well said richards have you got a better one i don't know that i have a better one said jeffrey only that one doesn't seem to me quite conclusive what's the matter with it demanded richards why to begin with there's barton himself barton's distinctly middle-aged he's getting a little fat his hair's thin on the top don't talk nonsense said richards it isn't nonsense said jeffrey i don't quite see why irene should be so anxious to run away with him he's just the kind pretty young women run away with said richards when they happen to be millionaires or something of that sort but barton why he's just his wife's understudy i can't see why irene should want him and then for the other half of the picture look at irene herself do you remember what mrs barton said about the first time she saw her irene drove up in a taxi she was dressed smartly enough so that mrs barton thought she was some swell come for a reading now when an adventuress of her looks and her attainments starts out to make a capture she's likely to aim rather higher than poor barton it's inconceivable that she fell in love with him and i don't see that she had much to gain by running away with him well you never can tell about a woman said richards philosophically i dare say you can't all right have your little joke said richards but the fact is she did run away with him not from him suggested jeffrey play it either way said richards it comes to the same thing he knew what happened to her anyway before anyone else did he came home and painted out that portrait four days before the body was found yes there's something in that jeffrey admitted there's everything in it said the lieutenant it looks good to me he turned to me i'm going to send up and have him taken to the jail hospital this evening it won't do to take any chances my phone rang just then i picked up the receiver then turned and handed the instrument to richards it's someone for you i said yes i'm richards we heard him say then he looked puzzled who's this talking anyway 
oh brown yes i get you well what is it i glanced at jeffrey and he met my eye with a nod brown was the name of one of the two men nurses richards had supplied us with to look for barton the lieutenant's face suddenly went purple what's that he roared through the phone when when did it happen there was another long silence at our end of the conversation but there was no mistaking its import richard's dark eyes were flashing and his big fist beating impatiently on his knee i don't care whose fault it was he roared presently have you reported to headquarters he hung up the receiver with a jerk without waiting for more than a bare word of reply and swung round and glared at geoffrey this is a nice kettle of fish he said they've let that fellow get away barton i asked richards grunted assent well we'll get him he said he won't get far but i'll tell you this he turned on geoffrey again you can sit here and theorize all you like and grin your head off but i am going to catch the man who murdered irene fournier i'm through with theories oh no you aren't said geoffrey richards turned on his heel without another word and stamped out of the room Jeffrey waited until he heard the outer door slam after him and then lighted a fresh cigarette i see the force of your objection said i but you can't get away from that confession the woman wouldn't have made a lying confession for anybody but her husband oh she thinks he did it said Jeffrey, and maybe he did but when it comes to confessions i've heard one myself no longer ago than last night. End of chapter 11